I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words podcast. I'm joined full team this week. Jason, Jason, hello. What did you say? Full team. Full squad. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I, didn't, I didn't say you were full yeah. team or anything like that. I said, I said, I said that's what you're saying. <laughs> there we are. There we are. So we're 30 no, seconds in and, and he wasn't listening. So that's a good start because we're a week back. Um, and, and slightly sounding slightly better than he did last week. Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we? Yeah, good. All good. We've, I think we've all had a, a long bank holiday weekend. I think we've all mm-hmm. enjoyed ourselves and then uh, and then realised we've got some work to do today. Um, so whilst it's actually been a, a work holiday, it's not been a golfing holiday, uh, as it never is for us. So, uh, But we love it. We're here again. Um, don't love the fact that we had a couple of chances last week and they decided to play themselves out of it with one bad round. But that's Henny Duplessis and Aaron Wise for you. Um, here's what it is, isn't it? It's golf. Um, Oliver Becker for you, Brad. You, did you have him last week? I did not have Oliver. You did Becker not have Oliver Becker last week. I wish no. I did. No, I had nothing going for me in the in the in the Catalina Championship last week. No, absolutely terrible from my selections. Well, Adrian Els decided to come in a week after I did that, so um, really happy for Adrian Els that he's got his first win. Not happy that he did it a week late, but um, you know that's golf betting and, and golf watching, I guess. Um, Back on the, the British Isles this week, Jason. Back in the British Masters at the Belfry, which is actually a course that we've seen before and been used before, which is a slight change of pace for the DP World Tour. Got to make some change, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. And a decent track as well. It is. We're all, we're all uh, proper golf. It is. Um, yeah, you know, it's on there again in front of you. But our friends at Tour Tips, it's there if you go to the event page. Um, approaches, seated green, absolutely huge. Driving doesn't particularly matter. Uh, Last year, putting wires, Bland was 55th, Guido 36, Corhonan 44, Dodo was 68, which is a brilliant effort for Dodo. <laughs> best, um, best of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, not a lot there, but approaches. You had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, and 8 um, uh, in top 20. And Tita Green, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 8. So, absolutely huge for your iron play. Uh, get it on the fairway and uh, crack away. So, um, so we're not we're yeah, not going to say that nice. strokes gained approach is the most important statistic this week, are we? Because that that would sound like that's something we say all the way. But um... well, I know, but no, because if you look, there are tee to green efforts that, that are based on based. If you go through the tee to green, um, if you'd have said that we were actually covering this, I've done a bit better on this, <laughs> right? Um, it, you've got tee to green. I mean, you look at your tee to green list, and then you look at what it's been based on. And an awful lot of the time, it's based on off the tee, yeah, not approaches. Whereas this, you need to base your tee to green. On approaches, so yeah. Whilst it's important, obviously, um, you know, you, you look down those lists, and there's an awful lot that, that would be, uh, you know, 30s, 40s in approaches, but because they're top 10 tee to green, it, it sort of averages out, uh, uh, and it's incorrect if you, you know, at certain courses you don't want that. So, no, no. Yeah, there we are. I think you mentioned there as well that it was where Richard Bland beat Guido Migliozzi last year. Um, he, he he stole Guido's uh, soul. Uh, and Richard Bland got a win of the ages, and uh, we're still talking about it to this day. And uh, maybe after a year and, and a the title defence, we might not talk about Richard Bland as much. But um, you know, it's uh, well, it was unless he does it again. Unless he does it again, and if he does it again, then um, you know I won't be on him. So um, there, there's a little uh, spoiler alert: I am not on 
Richard Bland this week. Um, but the market again is is nice and open. Brad uh, Robert McIntyre twenty five to one, Adrian Moronk twenty five to one, Jordan Smith, Sam Horsfield twenty eight to one. Last week's winner Adrian now thirty to one, and Ryan Fox thirty three to one. Um, yep. Any of those that sort of made any appeal to you? Oh it's, yes. I mean, I I, I think Moronk has definitely got to be considered this week at twenty five to one. I mean, it's another great finish for him last week. And that's now like back-to-back third-place finishes in his last two starts. And I've, we've said it probably how many times have we said it on this podcast before that he's just primed to break through. And I would be surprised if it wasn't this year. Um, I think he'll be disappointed with his final round that he couldn't find a lower one to contend last week. Yeah. But the, the flat stick got really cold but he actually led the field tee to green in that final round and he hit it the best he did all week and he returns to the belfry where he had some joy on his debut last year he, he again finished third seems to be a trend of his. <laughs> and had a, he had a brilliant moving day he carded a round of 65 which put him right in the mix and i like the fact that despite not scoring as well as he probably should have last week his long games and irons improved throughout and he's returned to a course which he's proven in the past he can go well on and it clearly suits his eye if you step back and look at his last 10 starts he has six top 10 finishes which is some going i just it's got to be coming soon and uh i'm hoping it's this week so yeah marunk at 25 to 1 was the guy who appealed the most up the top yeah I, it was one of those ones where i, I could have backed probably any one of those people that i mentioned there and i've purposely left one out because I will come on to his in my first selection. But uh, Jason, were there any of those that appealed for you at the top? I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised it went 25 to 1 the field. Yeah. Having said that, it's, it's you know, really difficult to, uh, to to pick that out. I mean, you know, for me, Jordan, this is it's, mm. it's absolute prime for, for Jordan. You know, this is, you know, you don't, you're not got any emphasis on the putting, particularly quality iron play, quality finding fairways. Um, I mean, it's one missed cut in the last, what, 10 or so outings. Um, yeah, OK, got beat, obviously, playoff at um, South Africa. Um, he's, he's, obviously, we know he's hard to get over the line. Should have won the um, Hand of World Sensational. Um, fell apart then. But then towed an awful lot on that final day. Um, this is prime Jordan Smith. But mm-hmm. can I back him at, at the price? Unfortunately not. But I, I'd struggle to see him out of the top 10. Um, yeah. Yeah. So of, of those, so sort of Horsefield's a bit sort of in and out, isn't he? We know his talent. I was going to mention Horsefield, yeah, but I feel like because uh, he didn't actually did play quite well at the Zurich as well, didn't he? I mean, he plays pretty well with Wallace, and uh, not only that, it's like I feel like he could. He, he's the kind of person that would come out quite slow and then just go stupidly low. So he might in the second round, you know, I feel like he might be one to keep an eye on in play. Yeah. I I I was saying I've just done the. Uh, the show with Sky for the Mayor Media Network, and I was saying that Horsefield, I think, is still the one of this lot, in, and this is including McIntyre, uh, that, that will have the best chance at cracking the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think he has the best upside. It's just we don't know. He, he withdrew from Saudi after two rounds, and we don't know, you know, why. And I guess there was a bit of an injury there. It might have been, um, you know, whatever. But he, he then sort of dragged Matt Wallace along. I said... Said in the podcast that if he had a better partner, I probably would have bet him. But um, you know, Matt Wallace wasn't wasn't the one. Although he then made the cut last week, so kind of yeah. used that um, to his advantage. But uh, 
it's, it's, so where Jason's just said about Jordan Smith and then getting him over the line, one that's very difficult to get over the line is Laurie Cantor, and he, he proved that again last week. Um, I didn't watch it, so I don't necessarily know exactly how he cocked it up, other than the fact that if you look at his scorecard, it does not make for good reading uh, when he got into uh, contention because he made a double bogey on 10 and a double bogey on 17. And you know the fact that he only missed out on the playoff by two shots that looks a very costly double bogey there on the 17th mm-hmm. pole. So um, I just think he's, I just think he's going to have to do it at some point. And I just, I don't really like dealing with certainties when it comes to golf. But it just feels to me like his his talent level is actually going to get him over the line more than yeah. maybe his will. Uh, and we've seen Adrian Ous get over there now. That they they're pretty similar profiles in terms of talent and lack of win equity up until last week. Yeah. So. Um, the price isn't great, and he's obviously shortened since last week. I just, I just think that he came out and he went birdie, birdie, eagle, and you think, oh, okay, maybe this well, is... I thought it was it, yeah. Yeah, you think this is his time, like, eventually the talent's caught up and he's going to do it, and he goes he goes bogey, bogey in the fourth and fifth and doesn't make another birdie until 14. Then instead he's just shit 14, 15, and you go, okay, well, he, yeah, he was actually on the winning score at that point, or, you know, the, the playoff score, and then, but you know, double bogey 17, which is not a hole that... Um, you know, he'd struggled on all week. So he, he was, I think, level par or one under. So, yeah, it's, t- it's tough, really. I I don't trust him, but I just think the talent level is going to get him over. And for some reason, I just, I, I want to be on him this week. I think, I think this is a really good chance for him to do it. Belfry should, should suit him quite nicely. I think his, you know, his <laughs> approach play will be rewarded. I know Jason sort of said at the start that off the tee isn't rewarded as much. And I do tend to agree with that but I think it's more his irons that I'm that interested in rather than his isn't there some uh, sorry to interrupt some, right. like, there's, there's quite a few risk reward holes isn't there at the Bell yeah Bell. and I, I think he, I think he can do that I think and that it's it's almost like the only thing it does concern me is that there is a bit to think about <laughs> and every time there's something to think about Laurie Cantor it's probably not a good thing uh, <laughs> if, if there's decisions to be made that's probably not great but I'm not going to talk myself out of him I'm going to go with him um, I do like his talent I also looked at Fox and Burmester at the same price yeah but yeah, yeah same thing it's it's tough isn't it mate it's it's. I suppose of the three you probably trust I don't know well, I don't know who you trust out of Fox and Burmester I know Cantor would be number three out of that those three players there but it's got to be Burmy for me yeah I, I, I would say so but Fox does does appeal a lot um, mm-hmm. I think he actually bases himself in England I'm pretty sure he, he does um, you know it's I like his game a lot Chase but what what, what do you think of the top of this market well he's, he's you know the problem with Fox is again he's, he's got it over the line at last yeah uh, yeah he's, he's managed to, to follow it up but to use you know you mentioned Matt um Senzi, and and he he's one that says you know once they've won is that is that it is that their ceiling yeah. you know will they rest the mean as they say and my worry about uh, yeah I worry about Fox certainly is um, if he does try try bosh it on these gettable holes it could go anywhere um, that's my only thing with Fox he, he does just hit it and he hasn't really got you know, not not I mean his figures are stunning yeah last three efforts his, his figures tee to green and, and approaches are just amazing. The problem is if he does miss it, he, he's going to lose shots to the field. So it's two steps forward, one step back. Uh, Burmester, yeah, he has got that little bit of... He's got, oh, I like Dean anyway, don't I? I'm a big <laughs> fan of him. Um, I think he's got that little bit more uh, ability to, to tone it down when he needs to. But he is all, exactly... So I think you're right. I think they're very, very, very similar. And and uh, I just wonder, at 33-1, to 1, 
they look fair and they look short at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's, it's a group of players. I think all of them have got the winning outside you want from a 33-1 shot. You don't necessarily always get. It's just, like you said, I think Fox prefers an open layout. I think you could probably let him miss the cut this week, which I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but he could do so. And then, mm. um, you know, get him at a bigger price as you start entering into the summer golf where, you know, mm. you get the Irish Open, the Scottish Open or whatever. But, um, you know, stronger fields, bigger price. Burmester, obviously, 31st and 6th here, the last two starts at this golf course, UK Championship, he was 31st, he was 10th after 36 holes and then shot a 76 on the Saturday. But that was kind of before he had that run that he's been on over the last year or so. And then he was second here after 54 holes last year and shot a 70 on the final. I don't think 70 is necessarily a, no. a, a, a massive error. So the more I look at them, the, the more sort of Burmester stands out. But I think Burmy is the value. At, I think 33s, if you're going to say both yeah. are 33s, I'd say, for me, I'd just... Odd edge, Burmester. It's, it's been a long time ago uh, since, since you would have thought that you know somebody like Fox and Burmester and Cantor would be the same price. Yeah. You know? mm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm almost siding with Cantor on the fact that he hasn't had that win yet, and and he's due mm-hmm. as opposed to um, you know potentially adding to a tally. I think. Um, then my kind of next pick's not until forty to one, Jay. So is anyone else that you kind of had your eye on before we got to that range? No, no, no. I agree no. with you. Cool. So for me, it was Henny Duplessis. Um, I just—it's one of those ones where th- this run is going to end. Like it's, it's, it's really is as simple as that. Like there, there's no chance that he's going to keep this up for as long as, you know, a real top-class player could. Or well, it could, I suppose. But I just don't see it. Um, but what I don't see at the moment is any reason to to avoid him. You know, he's sixth, twenty-fifth, twenty-seventh, second, third, and sixth. His last, what's that? Five events, six events. Um, disappointing that he shot two rounds of 74 last week but really bounced back on Sunday and, and showed on Thursday how good he is playing uh, and he's still there at 40 to 1 so whereas like Oliver Becker we've had a couple of instances where we've actually seen him sort of throw one away or stumble I, I think there's still a little bit of unknown with Henny Duplessis um, and he's at a slightly bigger price so um, he, he was next up for me so I've gone with Cantor and Duplessis who, who you might think could struggle to get over the line but I'm just going based on on form and, and talent level at the moment, Jase. Yeah. <laughs> he's an informed player, isn't he? So. He is. <laughs> no, he is, he is fine. He's finding it hard to, to get over the line yeah, big time. Um, I, I liked him and I liked him at, uh, when he was, you know, this sort of price, slightly bigger down down at home. Yeah. Um, but no, he's playing well, isn't he? He's play- I'd, I'd struggle to see him win, but. My only concern with him yeah, is they that do, don't they? when you look at the <laughs> when you look at the location form on tour tips, South Africans in general don't play an awful lot of good golf in England. Uh, it was my slight concern. So maybe the the greens or the the, the mm. weather or you know they're not used to masses of rain or I don't, yeah I don't know what it is, but they don't seem to play the best golf in England, Brad. No, but at least he's. I like the fact. That at least he's seen the course. You know, I know he yeah. didn't do all that well. He finished. What was it? Sixty second and his only start. But at least, uh, at least he's seen the course. But um, yeah, I've also I've gone for a South African as well. That's yep. my give, give us your one. Shall I give it? Yep. Right. I've gone for uh, Lawrence at sixty six to one, um, and I just think he's just had such a brilliant year so far and that somewhat uh, fortunate win at the Joburg Open has really sort of been the making of him. Yeah. Um, he's sort of gone from strength to strength and he's sort of established himself at this level. 
Uh, he's missing the cut just two times since he's won. Um, he had a second place in Kenya, ninth at that Golf Life Open, and an eighth at the Stein City Championship. All of these finishes have come in Africa, where he's clearly most comfortable playing. But like his last two outings in Spain have been good enough to sort of catch my eye. Um, 38th at the Handa Championship and an even better performance last week at the, um, the Catalonia Championship where he closed with a round of 69 to finish 18th. And his stats were good. Uh, 10th off the tee, 17th an approach, 9th tee to green. Just his game around and on the green sort of let him down a bit. Um, he hasn't competed at the Belfry um, before, but he's no stranger competing in England because he's had an experience of playing on both the Challenge and the Euro Pro Tour. Yeah. Um, he has a couple of good finishes from his time playing in England. Runner-up at the Bridgestone Open back in 2016 and a tie third at the PDC Golf Championship in the same year, uh, which I like to see. And he, he seems like a player who's trending in the right di- direction, so I thought... Um, I, I just think at six six to one, he's he's a pretty good bet this week. There, there was a little chuckle there, Jace. Is that is that someone else that you're on this week? No, it's because I'm on another South African as well. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, before we, so having said that, South Africans <laughs> don't do well in England. We've, we've, all, all, we've all got one. <laughs> yeah, but what what I um, my, my slight concern, and this was my hesitancy with Duplessis again, was how well do they play outside of South Africa? And I was just really pleased with what Duplessis did. Um, you know, in in Spain the last couple of weeks and then when you looked at his challenge tour form even last year he played really well in sort of continental Europe and what you've brought up there of Frist and Lawrence with the England form it is good uh Jace give us your South Africa uh Justin Harding yeah uh, which you don't you don't like him do you um I don't like anybody you're, you're... But, you know, <laughs> we know where we stand I'm not a Brad, fan don't of worry. people in this world <laughs> yeah. to be honest Tom so um you know at least I've spoken to some of them yeah but but to to Justin Sorry. Harding's point, you are are a little bit dubious about his chances quite often. If I I tend to put him up quite a lot, and you're a little bit anti Justin Harding, so you must like him this week. Um, I think that's a bit unfair to be honest with you. I think I've listened again to be honest. Maybe I'll go um, back. Well, I think you've got an awful <laughs> lot of struggle to get over the line ones here, which is obviously why you're twenty five to one the field. Um, and I, I just think when you come to these sort of courses that you know encourage proper and in inverted commas tee to green games opposed to just whopping it, then, uh, yeah, Harding has to come into into your thoughts. I mean, obviously, you know, should have won twice at Kenya instead of once. So you've got three line courses there. Um, we know he calls the shock at Qatar. We know he done well at the Masters. That probably, you know, doesn't really matter now other than we, we know what his ceiling is. Um, what I liked about Harding was, uh, right, this is a bit convoluted, right? <laughs> uh, obviously. So if you look it's at like Bland and Rasmus, who obviously, you know, uh, was second here, wasn't he? Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, they both play well. Is it, there's a lot of comparison between the two, and if you had time and could have looked into this further, you might have got the winner. But anyway, Bland and Rasmus do very, very well uh, at the Dubai Desert Classic. They also do very well at uh, did very well at the London Club, which actually works out fantastic if you look down the list, which I can't to tell you about. <laughs> um, um, uh, Richard Bland won uh, France and. Uh, sorry, uh, Rasmus uh, won Crans in 21. Bland's got top five there. Danny Willett's involved in Crans all over the place, as you know. He fits in with an 11th here. Um, and then you can go on and go on and run that Paratore. And, and they all fit, and the same sort of players appear. So Rasmus Harding, uh, Sullivan, who, who had he been able to hit a ball properly, would have definitely been a fancy here. This is exactly his type of track. Uh, Ryan Fox is there. Um, 
all involved in that same sort of track, same leaderboard show. So, so when Harding's got those um, really good finishes at the Desert at Dubai Desert Classic, uh, it's seventh, fourth, and uh, can't beat it. What I've written, <laughs> um, you know, he had to come of interest. Uh, the wins at Kenya, or there should have been the two wins at Kenya, make an awful lot of sense. Obviously, this isn't Valderrama, um, but it doesn't matter. That still requires a very similar skill set. Still requires you to find green. Still requires to find the right angles. Um, he can attack. He did it a couple of times um, last year when he was absolutely flying. And to be honest, he's in form. You know, um, I've got no problems at all with what he's doing at the moment. Uh, seventh in his home tour championship, fifth at Qatar, um, you know, a little bit before that. And last year, although he finished 19th, he was a fourth uh, halfway and in the top 10 uh, after three rounds. So I quite like the fact he's had a break. He's a, he's a winner. Um, 40-1 when he's behind or priced outside non-winners. Uh, seems to me a bit of a, a nice price, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mentioned on on our show that the uh, the Mayo Media show that he was he was the first name that I was kind of thinking of, uh, but I was slightly disappointed with the price, which seems ridiculous when I've gone on on uh, on Laurie Cancer. But I was sort of comparing it to kind of the current form. His is sort of like in and out and and not sh- not in terms of actual form, but in terms of playing as much. Um, because when you look at the list, he's twenty fifth uh, Abu Dhabi, fourth Dubai. Ninth for the Razel Kaima, you know, fifth and seventh for his last two. And I, I do think, it, a bit like George Kotzea, I think he's someone that carries over the form uh, on the South African tour into the into the DP World Tour. So I do like him flat. I, yeah, I don't know. I, it just for me, I just wanted a little bit bigger, um, which is maybe five just a bit tens. greedy. Five top tens in his last ten, hmm. and uh, you know, he, he should well, should have won twice last year. I don't know. Well, okay. We'll, we'll have we'll have a we'll have a top South African to be pretty lively between the three of us this week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's um, no, it's good though. I, th- I think I think that's a good price range though for for th- those three guys, especially when obviously Thriston's slightly out of that bread. But um, you know, kind of that forty to seventies one range. I, I wouldn't be surprised at the range we see the, the winner from this week because you know twenty five to one the field. There's no obvious favourite, and and the obvious favourites don't tend to do that well in in the DP Worlds or anyway. So. Um, I mean, there's so many names here. I mean, I thought Dietrich was interesting. I thought he might get over the line eventually. You know, um, will Danny Willett kind of just come back and, and be better than, than everyone else because he's been playing on the PGA Tour? Don't know. Um, I'll just wait until he's on Dunhill Links. But, yeah, I, I find I find it really hard. After being initially really excited about the event, when it comes to the betting, I was a little bit... I found it really hard to commit and, and I kind of went with Cantor and, and sort of pinned my hopes to him and, and Henny Duplessis and it took me into the into the hundreds before I got anyone else. So, Jace, before we go any further, did you have any more swear? Nope, I agree with you. I've got, I've then gone, uh, I think, into triple figures. Yep. So, I will go with my first one uh, in the triple digits and it's Eddie Pepperell. Um, Brad, you were on him last week. You you were kind of hoping that he was going to carry on what he'd shown uh, in Spain. He, didn't. he obviously he obviously didn't know. And the only thing I, I kind of I kind of glad that happened, and not you know not because you lost money on him, but because you know it it kept his price open this week and where he generally tends to excel. He's got a first and second in this event. Okay, not on this golf course, um, but he was actually eleventh here last year on the golf course, which I think he was actually leading. Um, after 54 holes, I'm just going to double check myself on that one. Towards it, yes, he was. Uh, shot a final around 73, which is kind of what Eddie Pepperell can do. Um, but I just, I just think he's had that recent showing um, in Spain. 
He loves playing at home. He, he's he's mm. very obviously better at the UK and Ireland events than he is anybody else. Top uh, ten of his twenty OWGR starts have come in the region, so um, do really like him just just playing at home. And I just think these kind of British Masters tracks suit him. He just seems to. I think because he can kind of club down at times, he doesn't get so wild off the tee with his driving. Um, maybe it just suits him that he can go to Thornton's and get his chocolate whenever he wants to and can pick up his, <laughs> his, his local red wine. I don't know what it is, but um, Eddie Pebble seems to be at his best at home. 151 eight places still. Um, nice, yeah. I thought it was really good because, you know, it, it was disappointing to miss the cut, but it wasn't, I don't think it's a total surprise. I think we were kind of, you even said it yourself, Brad, when you were talking about him. Like, oh, you know what you get. You never know what you're going to get. Right? You don't, you yeah, don't know. You never know. It's not it's like it's going to be on his game or off his game. It's either one or the other, really, isn't it? And if, if it was at a course that he, if he, if you're backing him here at 150 to one after he'd shown something the week before and he struggled, then I'd oh, say, yeah. okay, jump off. But I think because it was in Spain, I wasn't as bothered. You know, again, like mm-hmm. if it was a Qatar Masters or something like that where he's played very well and won before, like. If he'd have missed a cut like that, I would have been concerned. And, you know, maybe I'm putting too much stock in that 15th, like I said other people did last week, because it's it's one event over the last 10. But I'm willing just to take a chance on him at the British Masters because he's done so well in it before. So mm-hmm. that was for me. Um, Jace, I'll let you come on to your pick before I go into any others here, because there was a plethora of names I thought were worth mentioning. Um, I don't know if Brad put up um, one of them. Sure, now so about the next one. Um, <laughs> Daniel Gavins, who I know you like a lot, Tom, yes, and I don't because I think he's uh, I think the wind was a fluke, and uh, there we are. But he's purely only put up, and this is it's, he's not going to be a big play. I'll have a look at the top 10, top 10s, top 20s, or whatever, just because he's you know, his iron playing, his teeth green stuff is just is, yeah, is ridiculous. But then Such so a is, poor striker, isn't he? yeah, but then so he's losing 15, 8 seven strokes on the putting screen you know that's ridiculous as well so you know you do what you got to do it's just we were just talking earlier about about figures and stuff like that um and if you are looking at at uh you know approach and city green then he's in there but it, it it's you know, I, i'd struggle to to be confident about him but I, I think you have to it's there in front of you isn't it i mean it's not difficult and he has got the six at kenya which i suppose you know, it's, not, it's certainly not as consistent as somebody like Harding, but if you want to stick that in as a, you know, three-lined, shortish track, then you can do. Um, but like I say, it's not, it's, I'm no, in no way confident. I just think his game must suit here, um, despite the fact that he was crap last time he played. Yeah, it. no, he's just, he's just striking the shit out of the ball, is, is the nicest way of putting well, it. Well, that's, that's, um, yeah. yeah. That, that's <laughs> that, what... that a... Can I look that up? Where's it? Yeah, that's that's a real term. If you strokes if you strokes going striking the yeah. shit of the ball, yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's a ball strike shit in it. I don't know. He shits it on the greens. I know that. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's you're just waiting for one week where he yeah. d- it's putting luck, isn't it? It's like Molinari is half the price of him, and they've both got the same thing that's got to go for them. Yeah. Like is is the way I would look at it. Is is the positive spin on the hybrid on it? Um, JC backed you and Ferguson last week, or you, you sort of mentioned him, and he was um, top 12, wasn't he, after 54 holes, and just had a bad Sunday. So I thought he might be interesting to go back into. Um, Lucas Nemet's obviously been very, very consistent, and Yannick Paul, I think, is um, someone that's also playing very well. So those three guys I thought were worth mentioning. Yeah. Obviously, again, Jason, you mentioned Richard Mansell last week as a top 20, top 30 player. I, I think that's pretty that's much... Stuck in. That's stuck in. 
Yeah. That's that's him, isn't it? I think that is what he is, a top 20, top 30 play. Um, I, liked, I liked Craig Howie, but again, I just don't know what he withdrew over last week, and it's kind of concerning me a little bit. Yeah, so. there's just a, there's just such a plethora of names here. I know, Jace, you've got another one. Um, Shabanka Sharma was someone that's on your mind. Yeah, I, uh, again, again, when it's calls for um, quality, you know, Tita Green based on approach play, then then yeah, just Sharma just continually comes into your head. It's it's the problem with doing that. I think is um, it's a bit like Catlin. We all we all think we know what John Catlin wants, for example. Yeah. And when it appears, we instantly look at John Catlin. Then we look and go, he's actually playing rubbish. Mm. Um, but, you know, does does return into a course that, that I say should suit or does suit. Um, should that then elevate their form? You know, let's ignore it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's like you can make it so obvious, like a player's in form. He's striking the ball. Well, let's have a go. It doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, with Sharma, I think, you know, again, he was... Um, Last year when he finished 34th, he was six in strokes gained approach and seventh in tee to green. Yeah. Um, and, and that really caught the eye. So when I was going, well, obviously going through it earlier and seeing where everybody finishes, if that's the if that's the key asset, then I like to look down the list and see someone that was, you know, probably Eduardo Molinari, for example, yeah. who was faultier and still striking the ball well, but obviously on the greens. And we saw, we've seen this now hundreds of times now, where um, we've said it before, putting can be anything. And where putting doesn't matter on a track, or historically doesn't matter on a track, then you, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to lose eight shots to the field, are they? They may lose two, yep. they may lose one half, um, which makes a huge difference at the end of a tournament. So Sharma, yeah, yeah, I loved his figures from last year. Um, I think he lost 4.45 uh, round here last year, which you know, if he does it again, he's not going to do anything. Um, plays well in England. I, I just think the the overall. Um, the overall sort of profile of Sharma fits this type of track perfectly. Um, he's got two top tens the last time he played here. Uh, one at the Kazoo, again, which I, I've already said I really like. That actually does involve uh, Rasmus and Bland finishing tied third, I think. Yep. Or tied fourth. Um, so you've got the similar type of type of tracks. And, um, yeah. You know. What can you do, Tom? You know, you no, I, so I, uh, I sort of said earlier that it, you know to you that it is the England for me. He's got that 17th and 9th place finishes at Wentworth, which are you know much more elite yeah, exactly. fields than this. And um, just they just I don't think they're necessarily even completely similar tests, but they they require a strong iron play. And interestingly enough, it, just while you were talking about Sharma, there I brought up the stats from from last week, uh, last year, and it was Cahoon and led the field in strokes gain approach. Uh, Richard Bland third, Molinari fourth. Horsfield fifth. Um, well, you can actually put them first, second, third, and fourth because Figueredo missed the cut and was second. But uh, Pepperell was seventh as well, so it was kind of a, a nice thing to see there. Um, if if Renato Paratore can play and it isn't just uh, the ghost of Renato Paratore, then he might actually come to life at this golf course. But um, there doesn't seem to be too much on him at the moment. But, but that's, that's, that's your thing, Tom, isn't it? It's like that's what we say. Mm. You know, you know, when you look at it and you go, yeah, they might have been tied thirtieth, but. They were top ten for yeah. three rounds, or blah yeah. blah blah, or whatever. Exactly the same. You know, he might he might have been thirty fourth, and you look at it and go, yeah, it's fair, it's midfield, but he was clearly, you know, clearly striking the ball well. Um, it's just you know what he does. That's the thing. His tee green is based on his approaches. So if he's playing well, he fits the course. That's you know, there we are. 
what else can you do? That's, that's all you can look <laughs> for, isn't it? You, we can't hit the putts for them, and, and you know, and I would actually. Be worse off, Tom, to be well, honest, I, I don't know if Molinari or someone like that, Daniel Gavins, I'd, I'd probably give myself a chance uh, in a putting contest <laughs> against them on the ninth green at nine or whatever. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe when it comes to Laurie Cantor, he probably doesn't need me to putt for him down the stretch. But uh, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff to see there. Um, I've got one more big one, Jason and. Uh, Bradley lines me. So, have you got any others that you wanted to mention before we go on to that one? I'm done, mate. I'm done. No. So, it was Dave Coupland was the final one for me, who was coming to uh, 250 to one from the 400 to one that was tweeted out earlier, and um, you know, and Brad's gone with him as well. So, I'll, I'll make the case for him. It's it's now going on to the limit of of what you want to see, but he he's just. He plays so much better in England, a bit like Pepperell. Um, he was tied 16th last week after 54 holes and just had a terrible final Sunday. Um, same as Ewan Ferguson, similar sort of thing. But again, last six starts in England, he's made five cuts. He's got a third, a ninth, a 15th, a 28th and a 53rd. Uh, he was third in this event last year and 28th in the UK Championship as well uh, on the same golf course. Now, he is someone that's powered by putting, Brad. Uh, mm. I think it's fair to say, but last week he actually shut the ball really well. I think he was fourth in approaches, and yeah. as much as I, I don't know how much to trust these uh, strokes. Well, approaches. you never know, do you? But well, yeah. I mean, Raphael Jacqueline's the best player in the world according to the last two weeks in terms of iron. <laughs> so, um, if, if they are accurate, he's a thousand to one this week and finished twenty first last year. Oh, sorry, Tom. Just sorry, I, sorry to interrupt, but I just funny enough, I just looked at Jacqueline side so that list down from yeah. last week, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, uh, at the hander, it was minus 18 strokes off the tee and plus 17 strokes in approach. Yeah. Minus 13 and a half last week off the tee and plus 15 in approach. That's like, I don't know where he was hitting the ball from. Well, but, he, um, he, he must be literally flying it out into the cow's field and then just sticking just, it to 15 feet and making brilliant. That's uh, just brilliant. Isn't it? Um, if, if they're entirely accurate. Now, well, yeah. But Dave Coupland is, if, if his is accurate, and I can't imagine it's too far wrong, then, uh, you know, the, he was fourth last week in the field in strokes can approach Brad. Yep. Um, Just need to putt better. Which is weird, because that's what he generally does well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, it's one of those ones where... going into the final round. Like, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I was not expecting him to see uh, at that price. No. I was I was on him. Do you know what I was doing? The most frustrating thing was last year. I was on him last year. Yeah. I was on him for a top top twenty at yeah. a big price, and I was just I was I was a bit frustrated at myself because I was um I was cheering him on obviously, and then he uh but not to not to not win. To win. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was just kicking myself that I didn't have him on an, as an outright. Yeah, that is uh, the worst one when you you realise that your bet's coming I'll, in and then realise that it could I'll never be a lot do better. it now. I always I always make sure I have a win only bet on the exchange yeah. on my top twenties now. After I mean, there's been a few scares, um, so yeah. But going back he to hard, him, he? he works hard, doesn't he? He does work. He grinds as well. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he has a brilliant record here, doesn't he? In England, was as you said, um, I did not expect him to be around the prices that he opened up at this morning. I think anything north of 200 to one is a really good price on him. And he has a lot of success um, also just from the Euro. I think it comes down to his pedigree, really, where he um, played a lot of his golf on the Euro Pro Tour, as a lot of young English uh, golfers do. And he had a lot of success there. And uh, yeah, no, I just I can't believe um, the price he was this morning. I uh, just think he's a 
got to be worth chancing this week from the stats and also just from his record here alone. Yeah, I mean, look, like like any 250-plus shot that we like uh, this much, he'll miss the cut. Um, oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the odds suggest that he will do. But um, there's so much in front of you to, to like that there's no point in going against it. You might as well just uh, have one less Starbucks this week and, and have a go on David Coupland as <laughs> well. Right. Probably have one less Starbucks and have a go on Raphael Jacqueline as well because if he is hitting the ball as well as it says he is, um, he's certainly someone that could uh, make a yeah. run it. I mean, Thomas Bjorn rolled back the years last week for a little bit before falling away, so can't see why old uh, Silver Fox Jacqueline can't. So... Mm. Um, I thought you made a good point, just uh, go suggesting ahead. that he probably got a little bit aggressive in his final round. Probably yeah, we spoke earlier, didn't we? I think, I think... In and you know, just to try and get in the mix, and obviously it didn't work out. But yeah, uh, like going back, it's just there's enough to show, and if he does miss the cut, then so be it. But it's just it's all in front of you. You've yeah. got to chance him. <laughs> I, I I just think that to to not bet him when the things align. You're almost trying to stake a stance because it looks so obvious. You want to go against your gut. Um, and I don't really want to do that with, with someone that big. Um, we've, we've obviously mentioned the UK Championship. We've mentioned here last year as well. There was the British Challenge back in September. Uh, Hugo Leone won that week. Oliver Becker second. Ricardo Gouvier, Yannick Paul tied third are obviously the most important players to note. But... Richard Mansell was tied 12. Chase Hanna was 15th, who we saw uh, play quite well recently. I think it was in Qatar, he finished second. Um, and Norgard Muller was there at uh, tied 21st. He closed with a 66. So just some players to note from there. I wouldn't necessarily use that as a reason to bet someone because I think the setup was probably a bit different. Obviously, the, the field level is as well. But um, if, if you liked any one of those players, maybe someone like Gouvier or, or someone like that who's been well back this week, then... Um, you know, that, that would be a supporting statement for them. Shall we move on to the Wells Fargo Championship, lads? Let's do it. Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focused on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Let's do that then. So the Wells Fargo Championship is not at uh, Quail Hollow this year because it is the President's Cup. So just like they did for the PJ Championship in 2017-18, um, they're given a different course. It is TPC Potomac who hosted the Quicken Loans in 2017 and 2018. Now, I'm going to go into the list of names at the top and then I'm going to sort of break down something that I've decided to get myself into, which probably won't pay off, but it's something nice to add into the podcast and takes up five minutes. So um, Rory McIlroy is the favourite at eight to one. There's a very big gap between Corey Connors at 20 to one, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 22 to one, uh, Tony Finau at 22 to one as well, and Tyrrell Hatton at 30s. 
bit of a strange mix of names at the top of the market for a PGA Tour event, but there they are. Um, I think you can probably draw, not necessarily comparisons to the courses, but there's certainly a crossover in results between this golf course and Bay Hill and the Travellers. So the Travellers is kind of the one that kind of sticks out to me the most, but you look at uh, Edward, uh, Francesco Bonamari, sorry, won the Quickens Loan National here in 2018. He won Bay Hill and has finished tied 25th at the Travellers. Uh, Ryan Armour has finished 6th at the Travellers. He was a distant second to Bonamari that week. Sun Kang was third. He's got two top nine finishes at Bay Hill. Answer was fourth he, uh, at the Travellers and also fourth here. Tiger Woods has obviously dominated Bay Hill. He was fourth here that year. Then you've got uh, Bo Hostler is second and tenth at the Travellers and, and sixth here. And I, I just thought that was enough players that kind of crossed over between those two courses. He's also got top 25s uh, in Bay Hill as well. And then you go back to 2017 Quicken Loans National and Carl Stanley won. And he's got top 15 at both Travellers and Bay Hill multiple times. Charles Haller first lost in the playoff. He's got a really solid record at Bay Hill. Uh, Fowler twice uh, tied 13th at the Travellers, 3rd and 12th at Bay Hill. He was 3rd. Uh, Martin Lebb was 3rd that week as well. He won Bay Hill and 15th at the Travellers. Keegan Bradley, who was 5th, has got two top 8s at the Travellers, 2nd and 3rd at Bay Hill, and a 10th and 11th there as well. Sung Kang, again, uh, the name that comes up. He was 5th that year, 6th and 9th at Bay Hill, as I've already mentioned. Leishman's won Travellers, finished 5th here. And then Spencer Levine, 6th at Bay Hill, 11th and 20th at Travellers. He was 5th here. And it just goes on like that. I'm not going to go into every single person. But then one other person that kind of notes, Casey Wittenberg was second in the Corn Ferry Tour event here and was seventh at the Travellers in 2009, which is a pretty standout performance for him outside of major championships, which he was really good at for a period of time. So the Travellers and Bay Hill were two courses I thought were worth noting. So after any of that, Jace, was there anyone that kind of comes to your mind at the top of the market? Mark Leishman's playing, not playing very well, right? <laughs> um, no, I took it. Uh, well, no, I mean that, that. Yeah, I mean what you say. Um, yeah, can't possibly disagree with. I think we mentioned earlier. Um, it's only a par seventy. Yeah. Um, it's quite tight off the tee. You have to know where you're putting it. Because you get angles, etc., etc. You got penal rough. It's quite a high grade event, really. Yeah. Um, we think it is. I think uh, when Molinari won in 21 under, uh, single digits would have got you a top 10. So that week he was obviously. Did he win eight, eight shots? I think he won by that on week. On fire, yeah, absolutely on fire, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely on fire. You got par fours, 450, 495, 477, 475 hundred on the card. So really, you have got a couple of short ones you can attack, but they're where they're where you're gonna, you know, you're gonna lose your shots rather I think than make shots. Um, and like I said to you earlier. You know, if you look at the, um, I think there was a, there was a, you know, a, a great site that, that does an early preview, um, and the stats show you, you know, fifty percent of the approaches, give or take, are going to be from one seven five up. Um, and if you look at that list, um, Ryan Armour leads it. Yeah. Um, it's really, really, you know, when you look at these lists, it's very strange, isn't it? <laughs> um, but Ryan Armour in front, Larry in second, DJ in third, and on and it goes. Um, and everyone's wishing that Mito Pereira was playing because uh, we'd all be on. And so then we look at Joachim Neiman, who's not playing, so we can't be on him either. Um, <laughs> then we're in trouble, really. Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I think if you look at um, decent iron players that struggle to win, 
Um, they're all up there in, yeah. the, in the frame, aren't they? R- Rory could do what John Rahm does did last week, which is just enough. I mean, I thought Rahm was excellent in the final round. I did see, I didn't see a lot of golf last week because I was away, um, but I did watch the highlights of John Rahm's round, final round. And he, to be fair, he was excellent, but was he doing anything different to what he's been doing for quite a while? Except he was actually finishing the holes off. Yeah, uh, and that really was all he was doing. You know, he was actually patting 15, 20 footers. They were going in, and um, in the end, he's, he's still only sort of, you know, put his head in front. Um, so he had to knock them in. Otherwise, yeah, he, you know, he, he, he wouldn't have won. Um, so Rory, yeah, Rory's obvious, isn't it? I mean, based on, you know, Quail Hollow form, really, a lot of it as well. Well, that, that was going to say, um, is, that is factored in a lot more than maybe it should be, because this is a completely different test to, to Quail Hollow, I would say. Yeah, I mean, look, I looked, again... At, this is Tita Green, but you can base it a little bit. I think you can get away with a bit of length here, but you know Corey Connors is. Not, there's nothing. There's nothing difficult, is it? Corey oh. Connors is, oh. is is playing so so well. Tita Green. Um, he's. I think you'll struggle round here to, again to knock him out of the top ten. I think um, he's the one for me. Fact, all, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The more I look about it, to be honest, I, I think you know something like John Smith, as I said, I, I'm. I'm I find it hard to see a name sort of 35th or something against Jordan Smith over at the Belfry. So I'm now going to look at it as, as probably each way doubles again. Yeah. Um, Corey Connors is obvious, so it's very, very little to tell about him. Um, uh, you know, you know he repeats form at, at the right courses as well. He's all done it in the Masters enough times, which has surprised enough people in the world. But now we have to believe on the Corey Connors, don't we? I think um, a lot of people were... I remember one podcast, probably one of the Mayo ones, was taking the, taking the mick. Um, out of his price uh, last year in summit, but I think you have to take him very, very seriously now. To be honest, um, it's Tony Green going. I, I, I couldn't possibly ever back Tony Fee now, so I think it's like backing Laurie Cantor. Um, <laughs> but again, mm-hmm. but you see, the problem I've got with Fee now is he's the right price because of his class. But um, what he did last week, he was shocking. The first two rounds, it was all over Twitter anyway. Yeah. You know, there was a list of putts he was missing four foot, two foot, six, and he was missing everything. And then suddenly we're a fan of his because he's found something in the last two days. It doesn't change what's been happening over an awful lot of months for me. So I'd much rather have Connors than Fiend now. Um, but again, you know, really struggling to see how they'll be out of the top 20, definitely top 15. And then you've got Gary Woodland. Again, flying. Um, it should suit. But, you know, struggling to finish it off. It's It's... Yeah, I, I, I struggle, to be honest with you, with this one. So I have actually left them all. Although, you know, it, you could probably do a combination tricast or something, top eight, and you you might win it. Um, real, real struggle. Answer who Ben's put up as a headline. Same sort of player. You know, just superb. Tita Green, obviously not as long as a couple of them. Um, and Fitzpatrick, they're just, they're all so, so good, Tita Green. But can you really sort of nail your colours to that? It's like four to one. For any of uh, ignore Rory, yeah. it's like Connor Fitzpatrick, Finau, Woodland, answer. It's like it's under four to one for a win. I, uh, mm. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. So I, I think I think I summarised really well because I think if I wanted to bet anyone in that group of players, answer was one I was interested in. But I think it would be Connors. I think Connors would have to yeah. be yeah. bet because he just, you know, we we we've already seen what was he? he was like fifty to one for the Masters, wasn't he? So if you put it into perspective in terms of the field strength 21 is not really that bad and you know he's proven that he can win now like he's done it and he's he's gone close in you know big events as well that 
I wouldn't necessarily have any doubts about him on a Sunday other than the fact that his putting might let him down, but his putting lets him down at the best of time. So it's it's not necessarily um, you know anything to do with with pressure. Well, so well, as you say, you know, uh, uh, Molinari's won it, so yeah, we know exactly. It's not right, not the biggest thing in the world. Carl Stanley. <laughs> so it's Carl Stanley. Like Con- yes, I feel like Connor's. He's, with how well he's been playing, he should definitely have won a, a lot more by now. Just from his play and just the past. I know you can say that probably about a lot of people, but it's just. It's just been so good. I, th- I think I think that's the thing, Brad. Though is I think that there's so many players like that that they get mm. so they get so pushed down in our estimations because they haven't. But then you look at the fact that Scheffler's won three and Cameron oh, Smith's yeah. won three in in a short space of time, and and suddenly there, there's not that many to go around. And you think, you know, how long has it been since Thomas won? It's tough to commit at twenty to one, isn't it? It is. It's... Yeah, I haven't. Um... No, I was honestly, he's he's my favourite at the top as well. I really want. I would have. Before the odds even come out today, I was like, oh, I really would love to bet Corey Connors uh, as long as we get a decent price. But then I saw twenty to one. I was just, I just couldn't do it. No, no. Which, bring myself. Which haunts me because the guy. So we're all happy to move on to to the next stage. That's how I think I summarised. But the guy that did, I did end up betting, which bothers me <laughs> because I didn't necessarily love the price was Keegan Bradley and. <laughs> exactly. That was how I felt when I did it. Um, but I just think he's I just think he's perfect. Like he, he just aligns to everything that I want him to do. He's played well at those golf courses that I like. Uh hits the ball incredibly well and he's and he's playing consistently well again. Um, you know, similar to you know, I guess Corey Connors, eleventh at Bayhill, fifth at the players, eighth at Valero. Uh the miscut at the Valspar was a little bit disappointing. Uh, when you think about how they performed at golf courses, they should play well at. But he's just got a second and third at Bay Hill. Um, you know, just just like that. He's played well at the Travellers. He's finished second there as well. Uh, he lost to Ches Reeve by four shots, which, you know, maybe isn't the biggest ringing endorsement. But, you know, this, this is a guy that I guess you can talk about kind of like a Corey Connors, maybe, back in the day uh, when he was at his best. You've got Paul Casey, all these types of guys that that just ball strike their way around golf courses. Um, and, and he's just got that very irritating routine and a very bad putting stroke. But eventually, Brad, I think he will get back in the winner's circle. And I think this could be a good cause for him based on the two last winners that we've seen. Definitely. Uh, I echo all that. And I, I really did consider him um, this week. Um, and he's never someone I really enjoy taking. Um yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, his routine and it's just not a, he's not an easy person for me to watch on the eye or or to get behind even. But he does align quite nicely for this event and uh, he's playing some great golf again. So I really wouldn't be surprised to see him up there um, come the end of the week. Yep, I, I like all that. Um, for me, then it was Cameron Young, who I thought was very easy to bet. Um, mm. The complete opposite of Keegan Bradley. The... He had that 13th at Bay Hill, which obviously stands out nicely. He was third last time out. He's he's probably going to win. Again, I don't like dealing in definitives, but he was second at Riviera to only a brilliant uh, wacky Neiman. And interestingly enough, he's second at the Sanderson Farms, which is where we obviously got kind of introduced to him on the PGA Tour level. Might not be too kind of um, insignificant. I mean, Ryan Armour was a distant second to on an Ari had won the Sanderson Farms. Brunson Bagoon was uh, sixth. On this golf course, sixth at the Sanderson Farms. Uh, Chesson Hadley has played well here multiple times. He was eighth in 2018. He was second at Sanderson Farms. Andrew Landry, eighth here, fourth at Sanderson Farms. 
um, you know that there's plenty of kind of crossover in that kind of respect as well. So don't I don't know that there's much to it other than maybe this is their field strength and and that's it. But with Cameron Young, I just think he's been so adaptable to a lot of different golf courses. You think of him as a bomber with a good putting stroke, but I think he can mm-hmm. play well as he's shown last time. I don't, out. I don't think you can pigeonhole him. You know, no. I really don't. No, I mean his last performance, the third at the RBC Heritage kind of suggests to me that he can tailor its different golf courses. I never expected him to show up there. I mean, and that's, that's, uh, and that's me, like, yeah. probably saying what I should, you shouldn't be able to do, but I didn't. And uh, that just shows exactly what he's capable of and that he can show up on uh, different uh, tracks. And, yeah, I, I backed him through the roof on the Corn Ferry Tour, missed both of his wins. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty determined to catch him when he eventually does break through on the PJ Tour, which does look inevitable, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's t- in 2022, his miscuts have come at Sony, which is the first event after a long or decently long layoff uh, by their standards, and a miscut of the players, which, you know... I don't know. I don't remember what happened to him, whether he was on the wrong side of the draw or not, but I'm going to say he probably was. Um, and then I just don't like, I didn't like that week at all. And then he misses a cut in his first Masters, which, you know, many people do, people are better than him. So for me, the 13th at Bay Hill, 16th at Honda, which is a very different test, second at, at Riviera, 26th at Phoenix, 20th at Torrey Pines, everything sort of suggests to me he's so solid. Um, the price maybe doesn't scream, you know, appeal to everybody, but. Whereas, like, whereas I wanted to take Paul Casey, there's no injury news at all about him. Um, so I, I would be very wary on him. And then the other person that was sort of worth thinking about was Seamus Power, and he's been kind of steamed into a bit on, on prices. So, um, yeah, I thought Cameron Mum was the one that Cameron Young stood out at the 40-1 to 1 range. But, um, Jace, any more for you at this kind of range? Uh, yeah, man who finished uh, one shot behind Cameron Young uh, at the Arnold Palmer. Um, man who's won Riviera that you've that you've already said, mm-hmm. um, and was tenth in his defence, Max Homer. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, well, look, we know what Homer is. I think he's a bloody hilarious man. Hmm. I imagine it'd be quite good fun at the pub. Um, yeah, look, um, classic course, fantastic to a green player when he's right. Um, again. There's, there's, what else can you say? Uh, you've brought up the courses that, that there's potential um, uh, comparison with. I know he's won, uh, you know, this event, but when it was at Quail Hollow, yeah. Um, so he, he does play well at proper classic courses. You've brought up um, the Travellers, um, which is also one of them as well. Um, figures before the match play, before it sort of all went a bit meh, um, but absolutely excellent all round. You know, it's. Um, Tita Green was great, round the green was great, batting was fine, to be honest with you. You can't expect everything, like as we will say, nobody's Tiger Woods. Um, or indeed Ronnie O'Sullivan. <laughs> um, uh, so when he takes up golf, we're in trouble. Um, played okay at the team championship, but I'm, yeah, big deal, I'm not really that fussed about it. Um, he's doing nothing wrong, I just thought the move to here wouldn't inconvenience him at all, like you might say it would at Rory McElroy. Um, I just like him here he's 30 to green over the last eight weeks um despite the fact that he's not actually playing as well as he can it's a you know a little bit of a break for him couple of weeks comes back there's nothing on twitter that's negative um i really like him i i think this is absolutely his course i think he's up there with the likes of uh connor's female woodland everybody that's up above him um and i think 41 is too big 
Yeah, I think with Homer, one, I think that the only negative I could find is I think that his Quail Hollow win has been factored in more to his price than I would have liked. But, and I think the thing that, I think he's been overlooked in terms of his quality because the last of his three wins was a lower grade than his first two. So he's obviously won at the yeah. Wells Fargo reference. He's won at Riviera and he's won the Fortinet and everyone's kind of a bit meh about the Fortinet. But that's three PGA Tour wins. You look at, and I love looking at the OWGR and just looking at a player's 20 best performances. And I just love seeing players that are just, there's no bad result on there. It's like they've had five good results in their life and that's it. Max Homer, the worst finish he's had in that top 20 is, is a 17th at Bay Hill, which we like. He's also got a 10th there. Um, and like you say, he just loves all these kind of classical tests. I do think he'll play well here. Um I was just I think, a bit bothered, but the price. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you say the price, and then it's like it's one man's meat, there's no man's, but it's it's really, really weird. I mean, you've got, yeah, I know you like Keegan Bradley, mm. yeah, but win equity compared to Homer, Russell Henley, win equity compared yeah. to Roman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just look at it, uh, you know, Sergio's not exactly flying. We're, we're looking at past glories for him. Yeah. Webb is completely gone at the game at the moment, yeah, yeah. and we're looking at the same price as somebody like Homer. It's just. For me, I'm not necessarily saying he's screaming value. No. But I certainly think that I, I personally could make a case for him being five points less. Um, so, you know, and then once you get once you start getting down to the, the rest of it, it's it does become a bit of a drag. Um, it does. So I think of the of the twenty maybe that we could name as genuine winners as opposed to each way top ten bets. Uh, for me, he um, provided he's, he's absolutely bang on. Yeah, I think of course he's. Yeah, I'm, I'm very keen on him. I think it, the Molinari thing, the Carl Stanley thing, he fits perfectly well with him. He does. Um, and and I think that somewhere like a, a Tory Pines, which he's, um, you know, is, is he flashed at Tory Pines? I'm trying to think back in the day. Yeah, he's played, he's finished tied ninth there, didn't he? I think also yeah. that is, you know, a, another one that can kind of be factored in. I just think that anywhere that off the tee kind of tests you, not necessarily because of your distance, but just because you want to find those fairways, ignore the rough. Um, I do think that's a good thing. So I think I was probably a little bit harsh on him in my pre-podcast judgment of him in terms of his price. Um, but I still, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I think it's just because I liked Young and Bradley so much that I kind of went past him. Um, and coming on to my next pick is Matt Kuchar, who I do think is being overlooked slightly because I think he's on a proper renaissance at the moment. Um, I do actually think he's got capability of winning again this season. People don't like Matt Kuchar because he doesn't pay caddies. Uh, well enough um, so oh. <laughs> I, I don't really care I just I just care about whether I think he's going to win a golf tournament and his last three performances are 16th 2nd and 3rd and you look at he's had an 8th and a 7th at the Travellers he's had three top 7s and 8 starts in 2022 um, and he was he was tied 16th you know at that Valspell before those 2nd and 3rd I just I just don't see why he wouldn't be at the top of people's list because he you look at the fact that Molinari Armour Stanley Bradley, you know, just they're just plodders that keep finding fairways, that keep finding greens, that somehow get good putting luck at some point. I think that's Matt Kuchar to a T. So 50 to 1, 8 places when he's had back-to-back top three finishes and that's actually his third top seven of the season. He, really, he's, he's played really, really well um, for, for a very long time this season. Three missed cuts at places you would expect him to play well, but one of them was fit, uh, the players, which... You know, anything can happen. One of them's a pro-am. You can get the wrong pro-am partner. I don't really care. Phoenix, obviously, a little bit disappointing. But I just think he's been really solid. And I think he's still being treated as Matt Kutra of last year, which was crap. 
whereas Matt Kuchar this year is is not. So um, Matt Kuchar for me at fifties one bread was was my next yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. And he, I, as you said, I, I still think he's going to win again. You know, I still. How old is he now? Forty three. I, I feel like he's so much older. I think no, he's, I think respect. he's fifty three. Is isn't he? Actually, no, he doesn't look younger than Tiger Woods, does he? But no, not at all. Um, but yeah, he's been playing some fantastic golf and. Uh, yeah, I can't. I think it's a good bet this week. I, really I think do. people just, like people used to love Matt Kuchar, and now they hate him. That it, it just goes against right. him to better Martin, and that suits me. I don't, I don't care. I, just, I literally don't care. No, um, would I, I would, would I be excited to follow him around a golf course in person? Probably not. He's probably one of the most boring golfers to watch. Well, I think that I think everyone's shouting Kuch after. Yeah, that was why. Yeah, my nut. And I actually, when well. you watch him on the TV, if I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when he lifts his little hybrid or, or driver off the ground before he hits. It. That drives me insane, but it's also made him like fifty million dollars. But you can watch Billy Horschel, yeah. No, I don't really like watching Billy Horschel uh, either. Oh, I okay. like Billy okay. Horschel, but I don't. I, from a betting perspective, um, only because he's West Ham. That's the only reason. Right? Yeah, and he doesn't know where West Ham is either, by the way. But you know, he, he's um, he does make me laugh with that. Um, yeah, I just thought he was a good number. I thought fifties one was was great. I mean, you look at some of the people that are around as. Uh, as Jason referenced, I keep thinking Sergio's going to come back and do something. Hasn't. Um, mm. Davis Riley was in this sort of price range before he pulled out. Seamus Power is in this price range. And, and I get the Seamus Power stuff, but, you know, he's showing a bit of life again. But I don't think he's any better than a, a Matt Kuchar. Patrick Reed's had a decent week and suddenly slotted right in there. Jason Day, we don't know what's going on with him. You know, there, there's, there's loads of question marks, and I think he's probably uh, started in quite nicely to that. Um, yeah. Chase, my next one, I don't know if, if you're on, but Kevin Strillman, um, course record holder with Answer and Molinari, shooting a 62 here back in 2018. Obviously, first and second at the Travellers, seventh at the Bay Hill, third at Torrey. Uh, recently, he's been 22nd at the Players, seventh at the Valspar, 18th at the Valero. Um, the seventh at the Valspar stands out to me because he's, as long as he's performing where you expect him to perform well, I'm happy. So the 22nd at the Players, bonus. Valero Texas Open, 18th, bonus. Seven for the Valspar, what I want him to do, to know that he's good. And he was sixth after 54 holes here in 2018 and, and just didn't finish the job off. So for me, Kevin Strillman was another one, obviously going with the kind of older veterans uh, in this event. But I think the leaderboards we've seen recently, Jason, over the, you know at the Quickens Loans National, suggest that that's probably a way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. Always like him. Always look for Leishman. Always look for Strillman in these. We 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 have this podcast that we've done two travellers now. Yeah. Um, obviously over the last two years, and uh, we always bring up Leishman and and Strillman. Yeah. Um, that type of player. Um, yeah, I can't argue with you. I I, I haven't backed him, but only because um, I haven't backed him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough, mate. Um, We've got one at seventy to one now, Brad, that we like in uh, in Anavan Lahiri. Um, right. I had nothing, so I've written all my notes up and I've read all what I've read about all the other players, and all mm. I've put next to Anavan Lahiri is just great form. I well, he just, yeah, he just looks to be in good form at the moment, yeah. doesn't he? It's, it's just like he's just made the cut in his last five starts. Runner up at the Players, thirteenth for Texas Open, closed with a round of sixty-six last week, which I always like to see in Mexico, and finished uh, finished tied fifteenth. So. Yeah, I mean he's just in great form, isn't he? And he played, he, which is great. He's played this at this course before, back in 2018. What was it? The Quicken's Loan National, whatever it's called. Yeah. And he carded uh, rounds of 67, 74, 65, and 67. 
to finish 13th. So similar to Aaron Wise last week, it was just that second round that let him down or else, you know, he might have won the event or even contended. So uh, it's encouraging to see that. And given his recent form, he just stood out as a decent option in what I found a, quite a tough vent to find value in this week. Yeah, I just I just think he's one of those. I was really, really impressed with what he did at the players, like everyone else was. That's not, you know, record-breaking stuff. Um, when you look at past PJ Tour, I think, I mean, back in 2016, 2017, when he was kind of making, or even back to 2015, I suppose, when he was kind of making this step up in the world rankings, you never really expected him to emulate much from what he'd done on the European and the Asian Tour. And then, you know, second at the Memorial, Second at the players recently, fifth at the PGA Championship. When he's when he's right and when he's on form, he can mm. translate that into anywhere. And like you say, he's got that thirteenth place finish here already. He was fifteenth last week in Mexico. Second at the players, thirteenth at Texas. Um, there, there's just not really a lot to dislike. It's one of those ones that again, I'm just going to back him until he goes out of form, a bit like Henny in, in the DP World Tour. Um, yeah. I'll just keep going until he uh, inevitably he will he'll, he'll miss a couple of cuts in a row and you won't really talk about him again for the rest of the season but, um, <laughs> but that's that's what I'm doing this week and, and hoping he can do it for one more mm-hmm. um, and then uh, it really got hard for me uh, I think after this mm-hmm. I've got one name that I think I want to back and I'm just, I'm going to use you guys as kind of a therapy lesson to see if it's a good idea or not Um <laughs> Luke List at 100 to 1, Jason. I, I just wonder if he can come back uh, to the form that we saw. He's very much a, a case of I've won my tournament that I needed to win and exactly. I've done nothing since then. I just wonder if now he's got the Masters out of the way, which I think he was gearing himself up for because he played well there as an amateur before because he's from the area. I think now he's got that all in his rear view. He's played. He's finished 13th here on the Corn Ferry Tour. He was 8th after 54 holes. Um, you know, he's he's played well in the courses that I kind of mentioned uh, earlier. He was second at the Sanderson Farms. He was seventh at tenth at Bay Hill. He was sixth in this event when he was at Quail Hollow. So depending on how much that kind of crosses over, um, that was a sort of added thing as well. So I, I thought Luke List might, at 101, Jason, start getting to the prices that we could actually consider him again at. Yeah, I've looked, he's on my list for um, <laughs> he's on my list as on my list <laughs> for um, I looked at list. Uh, anyway, I don't have a crap jokes. Um, it's 20 past 10. What do you want? Um, I looked at that list as part of the props bet thing. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely there. So I'm just going to see what the Americans do. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, who knows what he's going to do. But, yeah, tee to green. Generally, he's he's stunning, isn't he? Um, loves a bit of Pete Dye, if you can get it. But tends to week the week after you've backed him on a freaking Pete Dye. Um, which is quite annoying. Um, it... It's a worry, isn't it? It's exactly the conversation we had before about whether you think that coming back to a course that will suit will start start an upturn in form. Yeah. I, I think, like I said, once you go past the top X, 15, say, 20, I think you can you can make a case for, uh, you know, quite a few of these to, to nick a place, nick a top 10, something like that. Why not? Yeah. Uh, I've scooted over one for you, Brad, in, in CT Pan as well that you, that you mm-hmm. wanted to back. Um, so we'll quickly rewind there before I go any further down. Um, what, what did you like about CT Pan? Yeah, I think I think he's. I've got him at eighty to one. I think anything 60, seventy to one is probably I think it's available now. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been pulling up any trees really recently. But he, he's made the cut in his last four starts. Finished respectable high twenty ninth last week in Mexico. So he hasn't been playing too badly but the results 
also don't tell the full stories because his approach player has been really solid. And it's as we always say, it's with most of the players we put up here, it's going to come down to whether or not he can improve on the greens. Mm-hmm. And his best finish this year came at Riviera, finished tied ninth. Um, has a top ten at the Travellers, which you said you liked as a comp. Yep. Uh, um, he's also played here twice when this course hosted the Quicken Loans National. Narrowly missed a cut on his debut in 2017. Then in 2018, he carded Browns of 67, 67, 68 to be in seventh place going into Sunday. Final round of 72, meant he slipped down to 17th. But again, similar to Lahiri, it's, it's, it's encouraging to see he can play well here and possibly only one round, like a decent round from uh, getting himself in the mix. So, yeah, that's not like a confident pick, but he he's someone that... Um, I quite like fancy chance in this week. Yeah, I think he's someone that always kind of pops off my radar, and strangely, it wasn't this week. But he, he just he's just solid, isn't he? I think he's one mm-hmm. that that he's good for a couple of good top tens in a season. Um, he can nick a win as he has done already, and you, you know you don't really know what to expect. I think he's he's priced that way as well. Is 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 he? Uh, should he be in the triple digits? Should he be in in the upper echelons? And no one kind of really knows, so they plump him in the middle. And you know, I think that's that's kind of my feelings on uh, CT Pan summarised. Really, I don't think there's there's too much to love. There's not too much to to hate. It's one of those if you back him, I can see why, and and that's certainly the case for that one. Um, other than that, I, I was I was interested with Bo Hostler. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to find his price. Maybe he's not even playing, so that might take the the interest away. Uh, no, he is there. Look, 125 to one. Um, second and tenth at the Travellers, which is obviously something that we kind of pointed out. 24th at Bay Hill. Those three um, events are obviously part of his top 20 finishes on the OWGR, and one of the other ones is this is sixth here in in 2018. So I do think Bo Hostler could be of interest considering some of the flashes he's shown this season. Not confident enough to to actually play him. And then I noticed kind of Andrew Putnam's got some decent course form. He was obviously a bit of the sort of early season rage, really. I think people were expecting the win to come, and it, and it never did. Um, but he's got literally a pair of 27th place finishes on this golf course. But both of them, the Mid-Atlantic Championship, he was ninth after 54 holes in the Corn Ferry. And he opened with a 64 here in 2018. And he was inside the top 16 going into uh, Sunday and kind of dropped down. So it'd be interesting to see if he could kind of put in a performance because he's shown some life this season. Um, I wish he'd cut his hair because it's, it's blowing out the back of his hat. But that's Cameron Smith. Maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. Um, he hasn't been in great form either this, you know, since he looked really hot at the, the, the Sony 27-14 for the Amex sit for the Pebble Beach. He's kind of missed a load of cuts. So there is no kind of, I guess confidence in it but i think he's someone that's worth mentioning and then i don't i think it would be remiss not to mention sun kang just because of the obvious course form uh he finished sixth at the mid-atlantic championship on the corn ferry fifth in the first renewal of the quicken loans and third in the and the third version of that and um yeah to me i just i always look for sun kang and I, I, last year i kind of convinced myself he was going to be really good because he had george gankus as his swing coach and that really helped matthew wolf uh, and now Matthew Wolf can't do anything, so maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. But um, you know, he's been sick for ninth at Bay Hill as well. He's just he just strikes me as someone that kind of goes back to golf courses, gets comfortable, stays there. It's just really hard to trust, isn't he? You know, he's twenty second at the Puerto Rico and fifty first last week. But otherwise, he's kind of been pretty dismal up in the twenty sixth at Phoenix. So I I don't really trust even with his course form. 
like there's very much facts in his price any other course he'd be 400 to 1 so um really hard to kind of get too excited about anyone further down if you wanted someone that's kind of played the golf courses uh golf course well Chesson hadley's got two top eights on the golf course second and an eighth and he's down there at 300 to 1 but again he's kind of miscut city every week so uh yeah yeah yeah, Ryan Armour, of course, you know, kind of Jason mentioned earlier with those long uh, iron play. And, you know, he is just a plodder. He's the epitome of plodding, right? He's 15th at the Corellis not too long ago, uh, 20th and 28th at the start of the season. So hasn't played as much. I think his status is pretty limited now. But as we said earlier, he's won the Sanderson second here to Molinari. He was kind of 20 shots behind him, whatever he was. Sixth at the Travellers. Um, so, yeah, plenty to like about him. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those ones where like someone from 300, 400 to one is gonna find yeah. themselves in the in the top yeah. five, top seven, aren't they? Uh, um, they won't. No. Go on then. Who you you think? No, it's they just, won't. Just saying they won't. No, what? No one in the 200 to one plus is gonna find themselves in the top seven. Yeah. That's a good call. Okay, I, I don't know about that. I think someone will. I think I think it's you look at the the it's two started off as top five, but okay, I'll let you. Start <laughs> well, you know what I mean. You, I'm talking about the the each way term, so I could even push it to eight if I wanted to. Yeah, let's, let's make it eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's 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 really retract. Um, so someone in the two hundred one plus range is going to finish in the top eight places. Is the call I'm going for, Jason? Now I've extended it to eight places. Are you now not going to say no? Yeah. No, I'm not going to say no. no. <laughs> okay, five. so no one, no one in the top five this week is going to be someone that was 200 to one and bigger, is what yeah. you're saying. Okay, Correct. cool. Is that a good place to win there? Then is that something that we can <laughs> is that somewhere we can kind of snip up and and play that out if uh, if something goes goes right or wrong between us? But um, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't mind. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. That's it. You can't can't be right all the time, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this. So um, <laughs> that's right. Let's recap our picks, unless anyone else got anything to add on the uh, Wells Fargo Championship. I really like I really like the look of David Pitsky for some reason. First, um, first and straight going approach last week. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Been been playing really, really well last couple of weeks. Clearly not good enough. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I thought he was he was he's one of the top ones that I'm looking at for a uh, prop bet. So top ten, top twenty. No, no one ever chooses David Pitsky for anything, do they? Really, no. in America. not in America, um, no. But he was definitely one I looked at. Um, again, Smotherman's hitting the ball better than um, his biggest. Uh, but like you just, yeah, as you say, you're just, you know, messing about, and you. Really yeah, just... I think the top, I think, I think the top fifteen are too good. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think eventually, uh, one of the better players will emerge, despite the fact that there are temptations to, to go for those kind of long shots because of the the leaderboards that we've had. But on Lipsky, he's obviously got a sip and seventh in his last uh, three starts, hasn't he? Um, and he's played well at Bay Hill in the past, I believe, as well, maybe as early as this season. So uh, 26th there. So that might be something to uh, consider as well. Let's summarise our... Um, I can't even think of a bloody tournament now. What are we going for? The the British, British Masters. Masters. There we go. I've got it written down here and I still can't read it. Um, it's because I can't scroll up and that's really putting me off. Um, but I had Laurie Cantor for my sins at 33 to 1, Henny Duplessis at 40 to 1, Eddie Pepper at 140 to 1, and I will stick with David Coupland at 250 to 1. Uh, Brad, I'll come to you for your DP World Tour picks. Yep, I have gone for Marunk at 25 to 1, or I think he's available at 22s now. Um, Lawrence at 66 to 1, and uh, with you with David Coupland at 
300 to 1, but I think anything north of 200 to 1 is absolutely fine. Yep, like that. And chasing your picks for the British Masters. Uh, Justin Harding, Daniel Gavins and Shvanka Sharma. That's very, very easy. We like that. And then over to the Wells Fargo. Again, I'm going to try not to forget names as I go along. Um, I've gone for uh, Keegan Bradley. Again, slightly concerning, but he says 3-1. to one. Maybe I'll put them in a really painful double, uh, Laurie Cantor and Keegan Bradley. Uh, Cameron Young at 40-1. to one. Matt Kuchar at 50-1. to one. Kevin Shulman at 60-1. to one. Lahiri at 80-1. to one. And, or 70 to 1 now, I think it is. And Luke List, I think, is worth chancing at 100 to 1. Uh, Jason, I'll come to you first this time. John Maxwell Homer. <laughs> is that it? Just one and done? That's it. That's one. it. There's loads of prop bets. And uh, yeah, I'm interested in Connors, that, and Fina Do you, do you think there's that, anything but... that will make you just go for Connors by the end of the week outright? Uh, it's desperation. <laughs> Brad, Might your picks for the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Might get a better price than Connors on the exchange. I'm not sure. He might drift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, not, if no one backs him, they might... Hard, I can't see him. I, I agree. I, I can't see him at the, at the eight, but it's 20 to one. Mm. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe win only is a better way to go. Uh, but yeah, for Wells Fargo, I've got um, with you Cameron Young, 40 to one. Uh, Lahiri, uh, 81, but I think he's 70s now. And CT Pan, 80 to 1. I think he was also shortened to 70s as well. So we're not far yeah. away now, gents, from another major championship either. Just looking at the uh, the schedule, we've got the, the Byron Nelson next week alongside what I think is a new event in uh, the DV World Tour. I think it's the Sadao Open or something like that in Belgium. Um, so we've got that exciting thing to break into. And then we're on to the PJ Championship at Southern Hills. I don't know if you guys saw the, the pictures of Tiger Woods uh, scouting the course last week, so there's there's mm-hmm. definitely excitement built in for that one. Yeah, Patrick um, Reed liked that to me. Yeah. yeah. So, what did you say there? Patrick Reed liked that picture. Patrick Reed liked it, did he? <laughs> did you Did you not see the what um, Twitter feed said? No. Oh right, okay. He kicked off because, or she kicked off, or whoever runs that account kicked well, off. I, I think we've worked out now that that is his oh, wife's. Right. Dad, so it's his father-in-law. Yeah, he's such a troll. I rate how I rate how trollish he is. He's brilliant. <laughs> so what was he but kicking yeah, up about? I would just said like it was unfair and like because it's just Tiger Woods. He got a look or something, and everyone went, "Well, just phone him up, say you want to look, and they'll let you have a look." <laughs> yeah, sure. Any PGA pro can play any golf course for free. You can just turn you up to think, the golf course. You you would certainly think if you phoned them up, they're not going to say no, are they? Well, they might do to Patrick Reed, I suppose, because you know that would just. It's getting be... worse. He's get. It's just getting worse. And well, I, I, I don't know. It's just like this. It's a really weird thing because it's, is it their fault? And then is it everybody else's? And it's just becoming worse and worse. Well, I, I actually think. I don't know how he comes out and plays. To be honest with you, I'm amazing that he plays. I actually feel quite. I don't know if I feel sorry for him because I think a lot, it brings a lot of it himself. But I think he gets, like they, yeah, like he gets a terrible rep. Uh, for more so than what you know maybe he deserves, but also he's got a family member that's just destroying his like life on social media. Um, I, I suppose if he really wanted to, he could stop it. Um, but you know, it's probably out of his control that you know. That there was th- a there oh. was a sorry, there was a very funny uh, reply to it. I think Lou Stagman put it up. You know, Reed came back like, whenever it was and said that some evidence had been doctored online or Photoshop or whatever it was a few years ago. Well, Lou Stagner put up the photo of Tiger talking to the, the CEO of the course, whatever he was. Yeah. Um, 
and, and done this little thing and zoomed in and said, um, has anyone got a clearer shot of this? Because I think it's been photoshopped or something like that. As a reply to, as a reply to Reed's Twitter, which was quite good. Yeah, it was good. I think that there is some fun that can be made. There is some that goes a bit too far, and there's you know there's lots of other things. But Patrick Reed is certainly an enigma. It was interesting to see him actually play some good golf last week after what had certainly yeah, been. Yeah, of course, yeah, um, He ends up finishing 42nd, which suggests that he's still not quite back to where he should be. But he started well for three rounds, didn't he? So I think I'll do it, gents. I think we'll we'll save ourselves for the excitement of the Sadao Open next week on the DP World Tour uh, and the Byron Nelson at TBC Craig Ranch. And, uh, you know, we'll get those perfect build-up events for the PJ Championship. I don't know quite how they've managed to build a schedule like that. But uh, here we are. That is another Lost for Words podcast. And thank you very much for all listening. Thank you.